So we're in a series titled, Flip the Script. And to flip the script is to change the story of your life. By the way, turn these lights on. And how do you like the stage? See, James, James's height has been making me insecure. Look at that giant of a man. And I'm like, you guys are looking up to him all the time. I need a stage. Plus, this way I can tell you if you have, you know, some baldness happening, you know. I'll Rogaine and some other things. How about me? Yeah. So we're in this, uh, we're in this flip the script uh, sermon series. And uh, we're talking about how God wants to write a better story for us. That so often we write a story where God is not at the center, and as a result, uh, we're not experiencing life to the full. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And of course, that always comes with putting God at the center of our lives. This is a nine-week series. Today is week seven. And so we've been talking about uh, particular ways that God wants to flip the script in our lives. He wants to give us a better story. If you've missed any of the earlier uh, sermons, you can catch up online at clearwater.church. You can download the Clearwater Church app and take us with you on the go. And today what we're looking at is we're talking about the difference between a life where you feel like I'm on my own, I have to take care of myself, the future's scary, and so there's a bunch of anxiety and um, st uh, stress as you try to take care of yourself. And you can flip that script in which you can rest in God, trust Him to take care of you, and not not worry about the future, and it is definitely uh, a better way to live. Worry. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, uh, they, they wrote a, a report called the Less Worry Report, and they talk about uh, some why people worry, the effects of worry, and their strategies for how to minimize worry. But in this report, uh, they claim that 38% of people worry every single day. Uh, worry is a part of their everyday existence. And amongst the 25 to 44-year-olds, the, the number one topic of worry is finances or housing. Sort of like, am I going to have enough? Just this fundamental worry of, am I going to have enough for the future? And of course, worry is not a good thing. Uh, it produces uh, bad effects in our lives. Uh, one of the authors of this report, Simon Rigo, he writes, A growing body of scientific literature suggests that consistent worrying can have both short and long-term effects on your well-being. Perhaps most simply stated, worrying is a behavior that steals joy. Right? I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. God doesn't want uh, us any of his good Things for our, plans for our lives to be stolen by the evil one who likes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it can affect our sleep. It can affect our decision-making. And so God wants to flip the script of worry in our lives and, and um, move us from a place where we're worried and we're trying to take care of ourselves to a place where we're resting in His good care for us. As humans... We know that we are needy. This was driven home to me 
few years ago on a winter moose hunt. I've been on four winter moose hunts with my daughters. They've been successful every time. They think of themselves as mighty hunters, and they are. Uh, in fact, I got, uh, Morgan and I got drawn for a, an, a moose hunt this year. Oh, yeah. So hopefully we're successful again. So I've been on four winter moose hunts. Sometimes the, the, the climate's been, you know, mild, and sometimes it's been extreme. Yeah, this is a picture. It was so cold, dipping down to like 30 below zero at nighttime, and we had to put moleskin all over our faces so that we didn't get frostbite. And a couple years ago, I got a second picture here, the wind blew so, so powerfully that we had to build a giant windbreak to keep the Arctic Oven tent from collapsing in on us. And as it was, it tore the, uh, the rain fly from top to bottom. And that was particularly nerve-wracking because unlike the moose who can just hunker down and survive, we humans need shelter. And so we were not excited about the idea of our shelter collapsing on us uh, and, and, and putting us at risk. So we are needy. We need food and water, and we need shelter. And because we are created in the image of God and have the ability to uh, imagine future scenarios, we can imagine a bunch of what-if scenarios in which we don't have what we need, right? What if I lose my job? What if my car breaks down? What if my health fails? What if, and the, the what if possibilities where we don't have enough, uh, well, we can begin to become anxious about the what if possibilities. And uh, that's just part of being human. And so, uh, we can get anxious about the possible futures where we don't have enough. Now, the world solution to this, uh, the world's solution is money. I don't want to be in a place in the future where I don't have enough, so I'm going to work really hard to get money set aside so that when the future comes, I can buy myself out of trouble, right? The money it will take care of me. And so a lot of people focus their lives, order their lives around becoming wealthy because it's a, it's a way to combat the anxiety of the uncertain future. In our Bible text uh, today, which is Luke chapter 12, immediately before our text, Jesus tells a parable about a man who had a bumper crop uh, and he's such a big harvest that he tore down his barns, built bigger barns. And then he said to himself this, Luke chapter 12, verse 19, And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And that's the, that is the wisdom of the world, right? If you can get wealthy enough, uh, accumulate enough wealth, you can relax because you're prepared for the future eventualities. And the, this is one of the reasons uh, it is so tempting to trust in money because, frankly, money, uh, money can help. Uh, and God, God often provides through money. But money is not the solution. Uh, God is a solution. So the world says, okay, I'm going I'm to accumulate wealth, and then in the, in the future, I'm going to have a, 
you know, a big pocketbook, and I can, and it'll take care of me. And Jesus in our text today says, I've got a lot better script for you. How about this? How about you have God? And so whatever future scenario comes, God is with you, and God will take care of you because he loves you and you matter to him. So what, now when we grab a hold of this, Here's how it flips the script in our life. We don't have to order our lives around and focus ourselves on getting wealthy because wealth is going to take care of us. We can focus on knowing God because God's the one that we're trusting in to take care of us in the future no matter what comes. And so that's what Jesus is uh, teaching us in our text today. Turn, if you would, in, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, and our text today is uh, verses 22 through 31. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. So he's talking specifically about uh, worrying that you're going to have enough to survive, right? The basics. Now, my friend Chris Kefalos says, uh, God always provides what we need, and he often provides a lot of our wants too. Praise God. Uh, but, but the promise here is to provide for our basic needs. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you're to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Now, the first thing I see in this text about worry is that worry causes us to miss out. I think that's what he's saying here in verse 23. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. <clears throat> when you focus your life on becoming wealthy... When you allow your uh, life to be ordered by your anxiety that I'm not going to have enough in the future, well, then your life gets reduced. And, and basically, you become kind of like an animal. Whereas God has created us for much more noble things. Predominantly, uh, relationships. That's what we really miss out on. Is we miss out on relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. And uh, one of the Bible stories that illustrates this well is Mary and Martha. Jesus has come to uh, their house for dinner, 
uh, and their brother was Lazarus. And so Jesus is there, and Martha focuses on entertaining him. She's the one who's uh, preparing the meal and making sure the house is clean and doing the dishes. And, and so she's in the background working, toiling, and the sister, Mary, is just sitting there enjoying time with Jesus. And Martha's super thankful that she can serve her sister in this way. No, that's not true. Martha is thinking, I'm doing all the work. She's getting all the fun. And so she goes to Jesus and says, hey, would you please tell Mary to help me out? There's work to be done. And Jesus says, but isn't she kind of being smarter than you? Because I'm not going to be here forever. And she's, she's prioritizing the relationship. You know, the dishes can be done when I'm gone. There's always time for work. But let's not miss out on the relationship because we're so busy and uh, focused on having our, getting our needs met. So we don't, uh, when we worry, then we tend to focus on uh, wealth accumulation and that causes us to work to, to miss out. How many Christians, I don't know the answer to this, but how many Christians have missed out on so much uh, in life because they have ordered their lives around getting wealthy so that they can be taken care of in the future, and really they just failed to trust God. <clears throat> in, this, uh, in the Worry Less report, there was a, a study done that was cited, and this, this was a study. A guy went around and he, he interviewed uh, seniors in kind of um, senior living homes, and thousands of them, and he asked them, what's your number one regret in life? And he expected that they would say, you know, I regret not taking more risks. I regret, you know, um, this great tragedy. You know what it was? The number one regret was, I, I wish I had worried less. I wasted so much time and energy worrying. That's my number one regret. Uh, because worry causes us to miss out on the important things of life, and God doesn't want us to miss out, okay? So, number one, uh, worry causes us to miss out. Number two, worry is unnecessary. Verse 24, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor weep. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And of course, the answer to that is uh, tremendously more valuable than the, than the birds because you are created in the image of God. Then, and then verse 27, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Of course, the answer is, uh, you know, tremendously. You, here's what Jesus is saying. You don't have to worry. Worry is unnecessary because you have a heavenly father who cares about you and will provide what you need. That's what he's saying, right? God will provide for your needs. 
and therefore you don't have to worry. Every what-if scenario that we as Christians imagine, God will be there. And what difference will, would that make? As you're, as you're imagining the, oh, what if my car breaks down? What if I lose my job? What if I get the debilitating illness? What if? Now put God in that future. A God who loves you and who says, I'll take care of you. Does that change it? It does, doesn't it? It melts that worry away. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. Not because... My, you know, my, my IRA is fully funded. That's not why we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry because I have a heavenly father who loves me and who says, I'll take care of you. And he'll be with me no matter what the future scenario is. And so the pressure's off. What an awesome truth. Third thing I see here about worry is that it's impotent. It can't actually change anything. Verse 25 And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? None, right? (laughs) It's a rhetorical question. Nobody can. Well, if then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Worrying doesn't change anything. Therefore, it's... What's the point? And since we know that worry... Uh, has a negative effect on our lives, uh, boy, just sort of nonsensical, right? It's stupid to worry. It doesn't change anything. Fourth thing I see about worry is that we can, here's all, this is awesome, we can displace the worry with trust. And I think that's what Jesus is saying when he, he's, he quips, oh, you of little faith. Man, you are children of God. You have a heavenly Father who's going to take care of you. Uh, You don't need to worry. You could, at any moment, you can displace the worry in your life with trust. And and that is awesome. Now, let's talk about that. And what does that look like? Let me read you some scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 17. Verses 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Not the man who trusts in money or in his physical power or in his connections or in his education, right? Or in his past successes or in his good looks. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose whose trust is the Lord himself. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. So, so here's Jeremiah, and he's, he's imagining uh, you know, what it's like to, to have your trust in the Lord. He says, you know what? It's like, it's like a tree that's planted near a stream, and its roots are actually going towards the stream. Now, this is Palestine, where the heat will come. But you know what? If you're, if you're planted near, near a stream and your roots are down there at the water, you don't have to worry about that. You're going to remain uh, alive and healthy even when the heat comes. And is not anxious in the year of drought, 
for it does not cease to bear fruit. Even in the year of drought, not just the days when it's hot or the weeks when it's hot, but an entire year of drought, it has a source of life. That's what a person is like who trusts in the Lord. The situation that comes into your life it isn't going to sink you. It's not going to kill you. You will be able to continue to live, continue to thrive, because you're trusting in the Lord and he will take care of you. What a great truth, huh? Here's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money. Okay, uh, because it is tempting to love money. How, how can we keep our life free? And be content with what you have, for he has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that interesting? God's promise to never leave us nor forsake us is, that, is the truth that will break the love of money in our lives. Why do we love money? Because money, we trust money. Money is going to take care of me in that uncertain future. But you know what? If you'll accept God's promise that he'll never leave you or forsake you and that he'll take care of you, you can trust in God, not money, and you can break the power of, of money lust in your life. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, I love the fact that we're told, humble yourselves before God, and then we're given a very, a very precise way to do that. Humble yourself by casting your cares on the Lord. So, handing over to God, casting over to God our anxieties, the things that are concerning us, the what-ifs, that keep us up at night is actually an act of humility. We're not passing the buck inappropriately. God is saying, here I am, give it to me. And when you do that, you, you are honoring me. You are acting humbly. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? What an invitation. And so, listen, sometimes I will physically, you know, hold out my hands and say, Lord, I'm worried about, boom, and I am casting that to you. I'm, I am re casting it, releasing it into your capable hands, and I'm receiving back from you the glorious truth that for he cares for you. You care for me. And, and I will physically do this. God, I, here's what I'm, I'm worried about. This is what's making me anxious and I'm casting it upon you you're into your capable hands, and then I'm receiving back this truth that you care for me. And that is so freeing. It brings such peace. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, starts with this, which is very important. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Why don't I have to be anxious about anything? The Lord is at hand. God is with me. Well, I don't have to worry about the, the future possibility. That, that's quite scary. Well, because the Lord will be at hand in that future scenario. 
The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes, sur surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I, it is important to articulate to the Lord what it is you want, what it is you're worried about, right? Talk to Him. Uh, don't just have it up in your head and in your heart. It's important to capture it in words and then cast it to the Lord, to, to pray with thanksgiving but in everything, we are by prayer and supplication, we're letting our requests be made known to God. And when we do that, when we talk to the Lord about, here's what I'm wanting, here's what I'm afraid of, here's what I feel like I need, as we're talking to him, then the Spirit of God whispers back to us, I've got it. You can rest. You can trust in me. I've got this. You'll be okay. And, that's, and it's that whispering back of the Holy Spirit that that gives us the peace of God that will surpass all understanding. And even in the, in the difficult situation, uh, we experience a peace that we know uh, defies the circumstance. And that's, uh, that's a wonderful thing. Liberating, empowering, pretty awesome. Final thing I see in the text about worry is this. Trusting God to provide for our needs frees us to seek his kingdom. Verse 29, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Now this word seek has the connotation of preoccupation. So don't be preoccupied with these questions of what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Am I going to have enough? Don't, don't, don't let that dominate your your attention. So don't, don't be worried about it. I want to free you from that. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. Which makes sense. If, if God is not on your side, if you're not believing that God's going to take care of you, if you think you're on your own, well, man, you'd better work hard to get money because what else do you have to trust in? If you don't have God to trust in, then money makes a whole lot of sense. And so he says, you know, all the nations of the world seek after these things. Of course, they, they don't have God to trust in, so they're going to trust in the next best thing, uh, which is money. They're going to seek after money, they're gonna, and they're going to be worrying about, am I going to have enough in that future, in the future day? But, but you shouldn't be living that way, Christian. Do you hear what he's saying? You don't need to live that way. That should not be your approach to life. Why? Because your heavenly Father knows what you need, and he's going to take care of you. God knows you need food and water and shelter, and he'll, get, he'll make sure you have it. So you don't need to preoccupy yourself with that. You can go on to better things. You can, you can be freed up to focus your attention and your time and energy on other things. Instead... Seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Now, some people, I think, say, oh, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. Okay, so what I really want is all the other things, and my pathway to getting all the other things is to seek the Lord. But what he's, I think what he's really saying is, so that can turn into a health and wealth gospel, right? 
You know, if you prioritize God enough and do enough good things for God, you're going to get what you really want, which is health and wealth. But I think what Jesus is really saying is what's exciting is you can be freed up to pursue God because you don't have to worry about uh, getting your, your basic needs met. So the, what's awesome, the gift here is that you, you're released, you're freed up to go uh, pursue the more important things, building the kingdom of God, experiencing uh, joy in the Lord, cultivating relationships, doing things that have eternal significance and meaning, right? But man, when, when we are anxious about the future and am I going to have enough and we're not trusting in God, then our lives get reduced down to, I got to make enough money so that I'm taken care of in the, in the, the varied what-if scenarios. And that is a limiting uh, life. That is a very limiting life. And a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of Christians live that way. Now, the rest of the Bible makes it clear that uh, we're not to be slothful and, we, you know, we are to work. God provides uh, oftentimes provides through our hard work. But it's a matter on what, what are you trusting in and what's your focus, right? What's dominating your life? And so, you, you know, does my approach to money and work reflect a heart that's really trusting God or trusting money? And am I prioritizing, appropriately prioritizing the more important matters of life? I want to share with you uh, J.C. Penney's story. So J.C. Penney, the guy who started that chain of stores, uh, he was born uh, to the father of a minister. So his dad was a pastor, and uh, they lived on a little farm, a little farm. And then his dad uh, got fired from his pastor job. May the Lord not happen. May that not happen to my children. Um, the Lord gets fired from his pastor job. And uh, so the family falls on some tougher times financially. And J.C. Penney has to leave school as a young teenager and start to work to help with the family. And he works at a department store as a clerk. And by the time he's, I think he's 17, he buys a, uh, a share, a one-third share in a dry goods store. And so he and his new wife go and they work that store. And little by little... Uh, he's, he becomes a successful businessman. Now, before his stores were called J.C. Penney stores, they were called the Golden Rule stores. And uh, he, he took this from his Christian upbringing, and he said, I'm going to run my, my stores based on the principle, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? And, and so that's what he's doing. And it's wildly successful. And eventually there are 1,700 J.C. Penney stores uh, the largest chain uh, of his day. And he becomes uh, fabulously wealthy. But then at the age of 58, in 1929, the Great Depression hits. And uh, he has been philanthropic, and in doing good works, he's leveraged himself. He's got $7 million of debt uh, just trying to be charitable, and the banks call in the, the, the loans a lot earlier than he expects, and he just, he loses it all. And uh, he and his wife are living in a, a two-bedroom apartment, and they have no servants, and, and he's massively uh, upside down financially. And he becomes so stressed out. 
because he's been relying on money. And that's it. In fact, uh, his first wife, he ended up three wives, two of them died. And uh, his first wife, uh, they were so, money was so important to them that she went to the hospital but wouldn't take a taxi back home. And so she walks home, gets his pneumonia, and dies. Uh, and that's, that's how money, how tight, how important money was to, to, uh, to the pennies. So here he is. He's 58. He's lost it all. He's upside down. He gets, uh, he's so stressed out, so distressed, that he becomes physically ill. So physically ill that he gets put into a, a sanatorium. And his friend was the doctor overseeing him and despaired, just thought, oh my goodness, nothing is, nothing is helping because it's, it's all about the heart, his will to live, he's getting hopeless. And uh, one, particular, uh, one particular night, the doctor just gives him a sedative and knocks him out because his mind is spinning so badly. And Mr. Penny wakes up and thinks, this is it, I'm going to die. And so he writes his uh, final letters to his family uh, and then falls to sleep. And the next morning he wakes up and he's surprised he's not dead. And he, uh, he goes shuffling down the hallway and he hears some singing. And it was uh, a hymn that he had remembered as a kid. And so he goes into this little room. It's, it was the chapel of the sanatorium and they're having the services for the day. And, and he's listening to the, the, the sermon scripture, which is about cast your anxieties on the Lord for he cares for you. And he's listening to this song and he cries out in his heart, God, could you really take care of me? And of course, God answered back, yes, I can. Suddenly, and this is J.C. Penny writing, suddenly something happened. I can't explain it. I can only call it a miracle. I felt as if I'd been instantly lifted out of the darkness of a dungeon into a warm, brilliant sunlight. I felt as if I'd been transported from hell to paradise. I felt the power of God. From that day to this, my life has been free from worry. What a statement. And here's the song. The song that really got to him was a song called God Will Take Care of You. Be not dismayed, whatever be tied, God will take care of you. So here's J.C. Penney, right? He's shuffled in. He, he can't find relief for his hopelessness, his despair. He's being crushed physically uh, by it. And now he hears this. God will take care of you, J.C. Penney. Beneath his wings of love abide. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Through every day or all the way, he will take care of you. God will take care of you. And J.C. Penney breathed that truth in, and it transformed him, and he became healthy again. That's what God wants for every follower of Christ, that we would in, ingest deep, deep down a, a belief that God will take care of me in every future scenario that he lets me get into. He's right there at my side. He will take care of me so I can rest and I can be free from the love of money to pursue the more important things.
you bow your head? Let's just pray. Respond to this truth. Do you believe that God will take care of me? Can you say that? Say that right now in your heart. Can you say it 100% with 100% conviction? Ask the Spirit of God to, uh, to work that truth deep, deep down into your soul. God will take care of me. That's what Jesus is telling us today in His Word. And because God will take care of me, I don't need to trust in money. And because God will take care of me, it leaves time and energy in my life to pursue relationships. My relationship with the Lord, my relationship with other people, and building the kingdom of God, the more important matters. Amen. Lord, we love you. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for valuing us. It's amazing that you, you love us. And you love us so much that you came from heaven and you went to the cross and you took our sins upon yourself. You died that we might live. As we enter into communion, we just... Uh, we recognize and receive your love for us, your care for us in the cross.